What's up, New Hope? What's up? Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Come on, if anybody's glad to be in the building today, can we celebrate Jesus this morning? Help me welcome all of our campuses that are joining. Come on, keep it going, keep it going. Garner, Sanford. Let me give a special shout out to the Hillsboro campus. Hey, last week, Pastor talked about December the 6th for Hillsboro, which is next Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, we back. <laughs> and so if you are around Hillsboro, we would love to have you at 10 o'clock a.m. next Sunday. But I press pause for a moment. Help me welcome everybody joining us online. Come on, everybody. Everybody on our watch parties on Facebook, YouTube iCampus, and however else you are accessing the Word of God today, because we are in a series called Unshakable. Is anybody excited about this series? In week one, we talked about unshakable hope. And then in week two, we talked about unshakable grace. And last week, man, Pastor just blew it out of the water with unshakable character. Well, I'm excited because today I have the opportunity to be able to preach this final installment called Unshakable Purpose. In fact, to flip it around so that we can get the impact of that, God said, You have a purpose that is unshakable. That if God said it, God can do it. Somebody say unshakable. If you tuned in online, type that in all caps, unshakable. Are you guys ready for the word today? All right, so I don't know if many of you guys know yet or not, but growing up, I spent a large portion of my life out in the street. Um, I was what you would call a street kid. By God's grace, I always had a home to go to, but my mother worked two jobs just about all of my life. And so for a long time, it was just me, my grandmother, and my mother. And so she wasn't really able to give the kind of supervision that she would have liked to have given me. And so because of that, I grew up around some pretty rough people. Uh, a lot of drug dealers were in my life. A lot of my friends were drug dealers. And I don't really like telling this story too much because I've got my children that are here, but they know that I've been saved by Jesus. Amen? And so we can testify about this now. But a lot of them died to violence, died because of overdosing on drugs. I've got friends who are actually still in prison till this day. In fact, it brings my heart great joy sometimes, like when I'm on Facebook and I get a friend request and it's, a, it's an old friend from way back who I thought passed on, and I'm like, man, I am so glad to see you on here. I'm like, man, I thought you died. You know, but no, nah, man, I'm still here. I'm like, all right, praise God, right? But, but just to let you know where I come from, let me just share a piece of uh, a mother's struggle. Take a look at the screen for a moment. This is a letter from my mother to me way back as a teenager. Keith, your, pa your pants are ironed on the couch. Wear any shirt. I don't care how late you are, you better be at church. Love, Mom. P.S., this better not happen or else I'm going to take drastic measures. Now, you know it's no joke when your mom leaves you a little love letter that's threatening to kick you out of the house. Because at 16 years old, I got into a terrible car accident that almost killed me. I was drinking all day long with a friend of mine who, just to let you know the kind of personnel I had in the vehicle, uh, he was out on a two-week furlough from jail. 
You're in jail, they, for good time, they let you hang out for two weeks to prove that you can, you know. And so he was in the passenger seat. We had been drinking. I shouldn't have been behind the wheel. And we thought we saw some friends down the road. And so in an attempt to hurry up and catch them, I blew through a stop sign on a fairly busy highway. When I did, a woman T-boned me in the side of my car. Upon impact, it hit so hard, I was shot from my seat almost into my friend's lap. The side of the car came in almost like an accordion. Uh, you remember that old instrument, the accordion? It was pushed all the way in. The car flipped over, and we found ourselves laying on glass, unable to really move my left side of my body, and I crawled out on my forearms and on my elbows until the ambulance and the police came. Well, the next morning, my mother and my new stepdad of about a year, kind of broke him in the right way, I guess, uh, they went down to the junkyard to grab my belongings because the car was totaled. And when they went down, the junkyard owner offered his condolences uh, because he thought I passed away. My mother was like, oh no, 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 he's still alive. Well, I don't know if you guys I've told, my mother is Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. And so she cried at first, but then she got mad and she was ready to fight. So she came home, and I was laying on the couch. I couldn't move my leg. And she said, I don't care if you can't move. You will get up tomorrow, and you will get to church. Amen. That's old school right there, right? That's different from some of those mamas these days, you know? Like, if you go to church, I'll get you the AirPods, I promise, right? It wasn't like that. And so it was in that church service that my mother was in the front of the church she was worshiping with tears in her eyes, and I'm some young punk sitting in the back of the church with a Yankees hat to the back, slouched in the chair, didn't want to be there. And it was in that service that God spoke to my mother about an unshakable purpose. She was worshiping, and during that time, there was a woman who was a sister in the church who felt like she heard a word from God for my mother, but it was about me. And God said, Keith, because of your faithfulness, I shall deliver him. Because of your faithfulness, I shall deliver him. All my life growing up, my mother wasn't perfect, but she always served God in the church. She was always down at the church three and four times a week in the worship team. And God said, because of your faithfulness, I shall deliver him. Well, she wrote this down on a piece of cardstock, and she put it in a small frame, and she put it on the edge of her dresser because she knew that she had the only full-length mirror in the house. And so every time I wanted to check myself out in the morning, I'd have to open up her closet, stand back, and take a look. And when I did, I had to look at that word from God. It took seven years to come to pass, but you see me here now. And God is faithful. Let me press pause for a moment and say, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you are a parent or what, what it is or who you're believing for or who you are praying for, but I am proof positive that God blesses those who serve him. And I wanna tell you, keep on praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Keep on believing God until he brings the unshakable purpose to pass in their lives. Come on, celebrate Jesus, somebody. Now, did God design the car accident? No, he didn't design the car accident, but he did use the car accident to bring me closer to him. See, my purpose was unshakable. I just wasn't living in my purpose because I hadn't surrendered every area of my life to God. 
And here's a big idea that I want you to take away today. When you walk with God, you walk in your purpose. Oh, that's good right there, isn't it? When you walk with God, you walk in your purpose. See, the reality is that God created you and he created you with a purpose. But until you come to know your creator and surrender your life to him, you'll never know the purpose for which you have been created. Somebody say, you gotta go to God. In fact, let's take a look at this scripture in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number two, verses four through five. 1 Peter two, four through five. I've got the words on the screen for you. Check this out. Listen to what Peter says, the apostle of hope. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Woo. Point number one, understanding our purpose starts with a personal relationship with God. Look at the first part of that verse in verse four again. It says, as you come to him, the living stone. A stone is strength. A stone is stability. Listen to how the message says it. It says, it says this. It says, as you come to him, the oh, excuse me. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. Ooh. Our life's purpose starts with God. Our purpose comes from God. It's God's predetermined plan for our lives that he has given us before he created us. In fact, if you look at Jeremiah 1 and 5, Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. In Psalm 139 and verse 16, the scripture says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In fact, Acts 17, 28 says it's in Christ we live, we move, and we have our being. So God has chosen your purpose. You didn't determine your purpose. God determined your purpose before you were even born. But the powerful thing is that if God gave you your purpose and if God established your purpose, nobody can take it from you. Uh, if God gave it to you, it is unshakable. The one thing that I love about God is that God is awesome. And whenever God speaks, he can bring it to pass. God's words are so powerful that he spoke creation into existence. In Genesis 1, he looks upon absolutely nothing, like a painter looking upon a blank canvas, and he calls into being those things whichever he wanted to. And when he said, let there be, whatever he said came into existence and manifested itself into the physical realm because God's words are powerful. According to the book of Hebrews, God sustains the world by his, the word of his power. His word is so powerful that it sustains the world. <laughs> I remember back when there was a, a group called the Newsboys, and they're still out now, and they came out with a little catchy song called God's Not Dead. And, and I liked the song, but after a while, I started thinking, I was like, of course God's not dead. <laughs> if God were to die, the universe would fall apart. 
right? If God were to die, the, the waters that God established the borders and said here and no further would violate it and they would flood the world. If God were to die, the trees and the fibers in them would disintegrate and evaporate because God upholds the world by the words, the power of his words. God upholds the universe and the universes by his creative power. God is awesome. And if God said that you have an unshakable purpose, ah, uh, nothing can shake it because it is unshakable. Somebody say unshakable. Understanding our purpose starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, this is Peter. Now, Peter is speaking to us out of experience. If you guys remember in the book of Matthew chapter number 16, Peter and Jesus, and he's walking with his disciples, he has uh, something that he says. He asks his disciples when he comes to Caesarea Philippi, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And his disciples responded like, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Man, you're an awesome guy. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets of old. And Jesus said, yeah, that, that's good, that's good. That's the word on the street. But who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said something to him that was powerful. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he said, and upon this rock, he said, now I call you Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It wasn't until after Peter confessed Jesus as Lord that Jesus revealed his purpose to him. Up until that point, the reason why we know Peter to be Peter is because Jesus gave him that name at that moment. It used to be Simon Barjona, but once he confessed Jesus as Lord, Jesus said, listen, your name is Peter, which means Petrus in Greek, which means rock. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Once Peter confessed Christ and surrendered his life to him, Jesus showed him his purpose. Because understanding our purpose starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. Are you still with me? Yes. Amen. Let's go. Let's read on. 1 Peter 2, 5. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, you also like living stones. Somebody say living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Point number two, your purpose is a valuable part of God's blueprint. Oh, read that. Your purpose is a valuable part of God's blueprint. 
So, so this is the Apostle Peter, and he's bringing us to an ancient construction site. He's really bringing us to, to a rock quarry. In ancient times when they would build, the builders would go out to a rock quarry and they would look upon stones and they would select certain stones to make sure that they were appropriate for the build. If they were not adequate, they would toss those to the side. If they feel like it did, they didn't qualify, they would toss those to the side. And what Peter is saying, he's saying that when Christ came to the earth, the Jewish people were looking for their Messiah their savior, their, their master, their king. And when Christ came down and he steps upon earth and proves himself to be Jesus, to be Lord, to be the Messiah, to be the king, they rejected him. He proved himself through his virgin birth, through the prophecies that he fulfilled and through the miracles that he performed. They looked at him and they rejected him. And John 1 and verse 11 sums it up and it says, for Jesus came to his own being Israel and his own received him not. They rejected him and had him crucified. And that's what Peter is letting us know. And so we have the builders which represent Israel. We have Jesus, who is the cornerstone. We have the builders, which represents Israel, the cornerstone being Christ, and we have the living stones are those who receive Jesus. Look at somebody say, that's us. If we receive Christ, we are the living stone. The spiritual house is the church. And Peter is letting us know that the church is made up of people, of all nations, of all colors, of all ethnicities. It is a multicultural, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, beautiful group of people that come together in unity in Christ. The church is the ultimate example of unity. So I, uh, I have this little Rubik's Cube here. And um, this Rubik's Cube was actually a toy that came out back in the day and um, when I was a boy, and I'm just gonna make a confession right now. I was one of those kids that peeled the stickers off their Rubik's Cube. All right. I'm just gonna be straight. The, the, the scripture says to confess your faults to one another. I'm coming clean right now. I peeled the stickers of the Rubik's Cube. All right, so uh, we've got that out of the way, amen. Uh, but, but this is a perfect example of what Peter is speaking about because you have all colors. They all come together. It is well thought through. It's fit together perfectly. Somebody had to think complexly in their minds to put this thing together, for it to be formed together, to take many pieces and put it together of all different colors to fit it so that it would have a purpose. It was well thought through. The cube looks very simple, but it's very detailed. Inside this cube is a core that holds it all together. You see where I'm going with this, right? On the inside, it holds it all together. It maintains its shape and its corners because the edges hold it in place together. It's got one core. It's got eight corner cubies and 12 edge cubies, given this complex yet simplistic cube, a total number of ways that you can scramble this is 
43 quintillion, 252 quadrillion, 3 trillion, 274 billion, 489 million, 856,000 ways that you can scramble this little cube. That's exactly what Peter is talking about. Peter is saying, nobody builds without a plan. Well, I mean, not everybody. I guess hopefully everybody, but God doesn't. God builds with a plan, and when he builds, he has the ending in mind. Psalm 139, 16, to requote that scripture, says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of my days were written in your book before one of them came to be. God sees the beginning all the way to the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's got a purpose for your life. And when we come and give our lives to Christ, we're able to discover the purpose that he has for us. Because God's plan, your purpose, is a valuable part of God's blueprints. Let me see how much time I got. You know, uh, the builders rejected the cornerstone. And I think it should be said that if they rejected Jesus, then they're probably going to reject you too. Right? And what, that's what happens. People reject you and they cast you to the side and they ostracize you and they discriminate against you and they say they're unqualified and they're not worth it and they're worthless and they throw you out into the mud and bury you into the ground. But then Jesus just comes walking by and he's like, well, hang on a minute. Wait, well, what's wrong with this one? Well, let me take that one. Let me dig this one back out of the ground and dust the mud off. There's nothing wrong. Wait, are you guys throwing that one out? No, no, don't throw that one out. I've got a purpose for this one. I can actually fit that thing into the equation that I've created. I've got a purpose and a plan for their lives. Yes, I I, I know they had an abortion, but that doesn't disqualify her from her purpose. I know they got a divorce, but that doesn't disqualify them from their purpose. God has already established an unshakable purpose that cannot be altered, that cannot be disqualified. If God said it, God can do it. Unshakable. And if you know Christ, you are part of God's purpose and God's plan. Let's take a look at this third, uh, last verse. First Peter chapter number two, verses nine through 10 says this, but you are a chosen people. Ooh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, that's awesome right there. Point number three, your purpose and service go hand in hand. Your purpose and your service go hand in hand. Peter is saying that if you are a child of God, if you have received Christ, then you are in the family of God. You're a chosen people. Somebody say, I'm chosen. Come on, in the chat, type that in in all caps. I'm chosen. God has chosen you. You are a royal priesthood. All right, now you guys know I love you, right? You guys know I love you. All right, uh, so buckle up for a moment. Let me, let me just tell you. So strap in for a second. You're probably like, all right, what's this guy about to say? Because that's kind of like what I used to hear when I, before I got a spanking when I was little. <laughs> Listen, we are a royal priesthood. 
And I think what can happen is we quote the royal part and we park the car right there. Right? And, and, and we're, we're royalty and we're a king's kid and we're a child of the king and we're blessed and highly favored and we're too blessed to be stressed and we got three steps from the text to get God's best and, and, and that's all awesome, right? But then we leave out that priesthood part. Now the priesthood was from the tribe of Levi in the Old Testament. They were the ones who were responsible for taking care of the affairs in the house of God. They did the day-to-day -day details of serving God and serving the people. They were the priesthood. They were the, the, the ones who made sure, who assumed responsibility in the house of God. Now listen, if you miss this, you're gonna miss the whole message because sometimes we can park the car and say we're royal, but if we don't make sure that we employ that priesthood part to our lives, we'll miss our purpose. Here's the reality. If you call yourself a child of God, if you have received Christ, there ought to be some level of service that you do in your father's house. Mm, boy, it got quiet, man. We were, we were working it for a moment, and then it just got real. You know what I mean? Like, this is your daddy's house, right? This is your father's house. If you're going to say that God is Lord and Jesus is king, and I am a royal priesthood, then I need to take responsibility as a believer in Christ, as a child of the king, as a priest in God's house, and assume some kind of responsibility in the house of God. Because here's the reality. You know, in my house, all of my children have chores, right? One of them takes out the garbage. Another one of them mows the grass. Like everyone, everybody in God's house is doing something in the scriptures, and everybody's doing something in my house as the children, right? We are called to that. And so I got a question for you. Are you a Christian? Then what do you do? Are you a Christian? then what do you do? Now, this is not salvation. Salvation comes when Christ died upon the cross. We repent of our sins. We give our lives to him, and he gives us eternal life. That's, that's, that's taken care of. But when we move on into our purpose, you're called to serve as a priest in your house and in God's house. And here's the truth. Until you begin to serve God, you'll never truly fulfill your purpose. Why? Because your purpose and your service go hand in hand. And living out your purpose becomes a part of who you are. You have an incredible purpose, but the way God designed it is that when we surrender our lives to him and we serve him, God begins to give you enough light to see the next step, and we find ourselves walking in our purpose because your purpose and your service go hand in hand. So let me just end with this. My wife and I, we served on a summer camp in New York for, man, a, a crazy amount of years. Our kids got old enough to then attend the summer camp in New York. And we had in 2016 an incredibly powerful summer. I mean, we saw kids worshiping. We we're like, all right, have a good night. That's it. Take care. And they were still going. They were still praying. We had kids that were giving their lives to Jesus that night. It was powerful. My kids were also impacted. And I remember it was during this time I kept on asking God for him to show me my purpose. I'm like, God, show me my purpose. Show me where it is you've called me to serve. Show me what it is you've told me to do, and I'll do it. 
And I think it was a result of me being a student pastor for so long, I just assumed that after so many years, you know, I'm gonna let somebody else do these Nerf gun wars, right? I, I don't have the stamina to do it anymore. And I just assumed that I was gonna graduate to become a senior pastor. Well, when that didn't happen, I began to get disillusioned. And so I'm asking God, God, show me your purpose. What is it that you've called me to do? And so God showed me a different perspective in a young man by the name of Osaba. Uh, he's up here on the screen right here, Osaba. Osaba was like, a, he's like a modern day gladiator. That's a picture of him. He's at Cornell. He does the triple jump, possibly going to be an Olympiad. And I remember uh, my kids had such an incredible time. I sent Osaba a text after the camp was over. And I was like, look, man, I just want to say thank you so much for what you did in my son's life. I also sent another text to, to my other son's camp counselors as well, <clears throat> and he responded with the same. He said, you're welcome. He said, I was glad to do it. And then he said this. He said, because when I was Scoob's age, that's my, my, my little one, Scooby, he said, when I was Scoob's age, you did it for me. I was like, what? What's he talking about? What do you mean I did it for him? And so I started looking back through old pictures and stuff, and I thought, man, I was never this kid's counselor, I don't think. And so I'm looking on Facebook and all, and I found this picture of this young man when he was eight years old. And that's him at the summer camp when we had a banquet, and I was like, wow, I wonder... Okay, I was never his student, but, but how? And so then I remember seeing this other picture when he was playing kiddie pool kickball, and then I remembered him, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't remember ever being his youth pastor, and that's not the point. The point was, it wasn't that I served as his pastor or his camp counselor that made the difference in his life. It was just that I was just living out my purpose and trying to serve God the best way I can, and that's what made the difference in his life. That's what impacted him. It was after that moment that God put into perspective for me. He's like, look, you're asking me to show you your purpose, and you've been living in your purpose the entire time. You've been serving me. I wanna challenge you with this. How often do we ask God, show me the next, or God, show me your purpose? God's like, look, just serve me. Just seek me with all of your heart, and your purpose will come to you naturally because your purpose and your service go hand in hand. Yes. Hey, I want to pray for you today, and uh, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? I started off this message by saying, when we come to know Christ, we're able to know our purpose. You've got to go to God. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I know all that, preacher, but I still don't feel like I'm walking in my purpose. I want to encourage you. Your purpose and your service go hand in hand. Keep on serving. Keep on going after the Lord. It might take seven years like it took for my mother's promise to come to pass, but God can do it. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for this day. Lord, we give you thanks for the message that you have spoken to us. Father, there's so much more that we can discuss, but Lord, we thank you that we have a purpose for our lives. I wanna pray for anybody that might feel weary, Lord. 
Father, I want to pray that they would know that no matter what happened, no matter what they've gone through, they are not disqualified from the purpose that you have established for them since before they were born. Father, I want to pray for every person out there that does not know you and this message has been speaking to their lives. Father, would you make yourself known to them? Lord, we want to give you thanks today because we have an unshakable purpose that has been established by you. Father, we thank you. Help us to live out our days according to your will in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.